17. Today is week six, our last week in this series we've been going through called Be Careful. Uh, the scripture that we've used for this series is 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 through 6. It says, we know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. And I just, again, encourage you, when you're reading the Bible, wherever it says if, circle it. Highlight it. Because he's going to tell you a, a you part to his promise. You. This is something you need to, if, you. If we obey his commands. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know that we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. And this is what John was contending for, this, this whole doctrine of grace and salvation, something that we still battle with today. You know, do whatever you want to do. And, you know, you got your get out of hell free card. That's all you need. Uh, John was opposed to these teachers who taught that forsaking a sinful life was optional for the believer. They declared that one can legitimately claim to know God in a saving relationship and at the same time be indifferent to God's will and his commands. Those who make such a claim, as John states, is a liar and the truth is not in them. There's no gray area in that. I love it. The attempt to be justified through faith in Christ without a commitment to walk as Jesus did is doomed to failure. As Christians, we must be careful, be careful to walk as Jesus walked. This whole series has been uh, to walk as Jesus did, is to think as Jesus would think, to see as Jesus would see, to say what Jesus would say, the eyes, the ears, the mind, the mouth, the heart last week. You know, what would Jesus, how would he, who would he love and how would he love? And so today is the last week and we're going to talk about the hands. Be careful, little hands, what you do. Okay. I thought somebody was going to take over singing, you know, like their beautiful voice, you know, but no. I ain't doing it. Uh, we have to be careful what we do, our hands, what we do. We have been created, listen, to be one in God, with God, and one with each other. And that was Jesus's prayer. And that's what, you know, I want to read to you just a couple verses here. And John 17 says Jesus in the garden, he's praying for himself. He prays for his disciples. And then verse 20, it says Jesus then prays for all believers. Verse 20, my prayer is not just for them alone, his disciples. He was just praying for it. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's us. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. We're to be one in God just like Jesus is in God. One. Just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us. So that the world may believe that you have sent me. 
I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. We are created to the prayer of the fulfillment. We can be the fulfillment of Jesus's prayer by what? By being one in God, with God, and with each other. You're like, well, that's impossible. Well, Jesus would, of course, pray impossible prayers. Why? Because he's the answer to every impossible prayer. So he never prayed anything he didn't already know he had the answer to. You can be. You can be one in God just as Jesus is one in God. And we can be one with each other just as Jesus said, I am in them, they are in me, that they may be one in each other. He's praying this prayer not because it's some hyperbole that oh, maybe in a perfect world. No, it's because he knew this is possible. This is the answer. We were created to be one. One in him, one in each other. So we need to learn what it means to co-labor with God and co-labor with each other. Be careful little hands what you do. Who are you holding on to? We need to hold on to God, co-labor with God, and hold on to each other, co-labor with each other. Co-laboring with God. The Bible contains an astonishing number of terms, expressions, images that bear witness to the reality of us being one in God. In the New Testament alone, we find literally hundreds of references to the believer's union in Christ. To cite merely a few examples, listen to this, if your pen can keep up with me. Believers are created in Christ, Ephesians 2.10. Crucified with Christ, Galatians 2.20. Buried with Christ, Colossians 2.12. Baptized into Christ and into his death, Romans 6.3. United with Christ in his resurrection, Romans 6.5. Seated with him in heavenly places, Ephesians 2.6. Christ is formed in the believers, Galatians 4.19. Dwells in our hearts, Ephesians 3.17. Christ is in us, 2 Corinthians 13.5. And we are in him, 1 Corinthians 1.30. Furthermore, in Christ we are justified, Romans 8.1. Glorified, Romans 8.30. Sanctified, 1 Corinthians 1-2, we are called in Christ, 1 Corinthians 1-9, made alive in Christ, Ephesians 2-5, and created anew, 2 Corinthians 5-17. Union with Christ is not a sentiment, a metaphor, an illustration. It's not even merely a doctrine. It is our union with God in Christ is the essential truth of our new and eternal existence. In a way that gloriously transcends our finite understanding, we are really and truly joined spiritually and bodily to the crucified, resurrected, incarnate 
person of Christ. There is no better news than this. We are one in God, the same as Jesus is in God. God is in Jesus. We are in God, in Jesus. And once we say yes, and that's in the surrendered yes to God, Jesus gets down on one knee and holds out his ring and says, will you? When we say yes to that, that covenant relationship with God, we are then whisked away, if you want to say it that way. The ring slipped on our finger. We're whisked away and we're seated with Christ in heavenly places, sitting beside him at his right hand in Christ. When we give that eternal yes to God, it's no longer a matter of right and wrong choices. It's all about doing good and choosing better. Think about this, because I believe this is where a lot of us stumble today and it stunts our growth in Christ. And if I could, I, I looked for it, but I didn't look too long. I wanted to hurry up and get home last night. Um, I need a whiteboard. I need one that's really good, not the stuff that we keep bringing out. But anyway, because I would like to draw you a picture, but I know then that that uh, kind of doesn't help the people listening by podcast. So imagine if you would, with me, put your creative drawing cap on. Before Christ, before you say that yes, that covenant relationship, you're on, let's say, this side of the cross. When you say yes to God, he gets down on one knee, you say yes, and he swoops you away. What does he do? Boom, brings you on this side of the cross. But he doesn't bring all of you. You crawl up on the cross, bam, you're crucified with Christ. Your old man dies, buried. The one that goes this way is the resurrected new man. All things are created new. Now you're on this side of the cross. Where's the old man? That side of the cross. He's still dead. So you're seated with Christ in heavenly places now. The eternal, yes, covenant relationship is on your hand. Your, your hand is in God's hand. Now it's no matter. You're not sitting on a throne that's still battling right and wrong. Heaven and hell. As a matter of fact, this illusion that there's a grand war between God and the devil is just an illusion. That's not true. I mean... It, He's a created being. Do you think the creator is battling against the created being? No. So it's no matter about right and wrong. Now it's about doing right and doing what's better. Doing good and doing better. So your choice, if your choices are, is this wrong or is this right, you're still on this side of the cross. Living on this old man. Once you're on this side of the cross, it's no longer, am I doing right or am I doing wrong? If that's your issue, if you're still battling like that, you're still on this side of the cross. You might have a good doctrine, you might have a good history, you might have been going to church a very long time, but you're still on this side of the cross.
Because once you crawl up on the cross, you crucify the old man. He's dead and buried. The new man, behold, all things are new. Seated with Christ in heavenly realms. There is no more evil up here. There is no more bad. There is no more wrong. It's about good and doing better. So your choices, if you had to look at them like a teacher and a whiteboard, and I was drawing it up here, this would be hell. This would be bad. This would be a line. This would be good on this side, right? Again, you're on this side. Now it's no matter about choices, right and wrong. It's about good and better. That's it. If you continue to struggle with the old man, I would question if you ever let go of him. If God's word is true and you've truly accepted him as Lord and Savior, again, you've been crucified with Christ, your old man is dead, you've been buried with him, you are resurrected, a new life, a new creation, a new man in Christ. So stop talking about that old man. Stop going by and slipping on his skin and carrying him around like a fur stole <laughs> around your neck. Look, and I'm just a horrible person. I did this and I did that. And look at me. What do you keep going back over here for? Necromancing, right? Finally got that word down all on my own. <laughs> You're having a party with a dead man. Do you think God's up there going, Yay, good, I'm glad. No. So the first step in being one in God is that there can only be one of you in God. <laughs> Pretty simple. You can't carry your dead man and your created new man throwing on that old man and carrying him up here and being with God. Death has no place in life. Hell has no place in heaven. You can only have one man, you, in him. Now, co-labor with God is to do what God is doing. But if we're always focused on ourselves, trying to figure out, are we doing good, are we doing wrong, are we... We're no better than the Pharisees in the whitewashed tombs living by the law. God wants your heart to be as his heart to do what he's doing. Our actions come from a devoted heart. They prove who we are really devoted to. You know, you're like, well, that's judging. We're not supposed to judge. No, actually we are. Judge the fruit, it says. Now, the judging that people say, well, you're not supposed to judge. You notice that there's only like three scriptures that worldly Christians or worldly people will ever quote. One of them being, you're not supposed to judge. Yeah. In context, that means you're not supposed to declare you're going to heaven, you're going to hell. That's it. We are called, biblically, to judge fruit. You'll know them by their fruit. Their actions will prove their heart. Your actions will prove who, what, you're devoted to. Jesus said in John 14, 15, If you love me, you will 
obey what I command. Verse 21, whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. Pretty simple. Your actions prove your heart. If you love Jesus, you will do. It's a natural outcome. You will do what he commands. It's not a struggle. Now, if you're struggling to do, do, do right, do good, don't do evil, do it, you're still on this side of the cross. And you're no better than the Pharisees, religious leaders that Jesus called the whitewashed tombs. You try to look all good on the outside, but inside you're full of death. Why? Because they're still on this side of the cross. If it's about you doing and not doing, doing and not doing, don't do this and don't do that. And it's a struggle and I don't know. And what am I supposed to do? Get on the other side of the cross. Then it's done. Now it's not about doing right or doing, it's about doing what God's doing, doing better. Doing what God's doing and doing better. It's coming from him, coming from your relationship, your devoted singular devotion to God. Co-laboring. James 2, one of my favorite chapters, is all about this faith and deeds. Faith and deeds. You can't be devoted to God and not want to do what he's doing. Faith and deeds. God showed me a while ago a picture of what it looks like to co-labor with him, this whole faith and deeds. As we're seated with him, heavenly places on his right hand, our left hand is holding tightly to his hand. And our right hand is holding out to others. Faith and deeds. Committed to him doing what he's doing. Faith and deeds. And I don't care if you like tattoos or not, but that's my next two right there. Faith and deeds. Why? To constantly remind me. My hand has to stay in his hand and my hand has to be extending his love. Faith and deeds. Faith and deeds. Co-laboring with God. It's not about right or wrong. <laughs> it's not about that anymore. And then co-laboring with his body. See, and this is it. There's a big difference between um, co-laboring with the body, tolerating, putting up with, oh, here comes Braden again, oh my goodness, right? It's not co-laboring with the body, oh, I have to go do my time at the church. It's co-laboring as the body. It's a big difference there. In Romans 12, 5, it says, So in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the other. There's that covenant relationship again. See, once we say the eternal yes covenant relationship to God, we are in him. Remember Jesus' prayer in John, that they may be in you as you are in me, and they may be in each other as we are in each other. So we're no longer our own entity or just me and it's just, I've heard people say this. It's just me and Jesus. I don't need the church. How can you have the head and not have the body? That's sick. I mean, I, I like kind of like CSI type shows and, you know, I like those in the, you know, I, I do like the war, you know, and we, uh, my boys and I was watching that one war movie. I can't remember what it was called. Patriot. 
and was watching that battle scene and that cannon came and like head, guys heads gone like that we went oh, 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 oh. rewind that play that again oh, oh, oh. rewind play that again you know yeah but how can you say I want the head but I don't want any part of the body that's just that's sick and it's not it's not even accurate it, it's not possible it's an illusion it's a lie from the enemy what does he always want to get people to do separate themselves from the rest when you sin when you do stumble when you do fall what's the first thing you hear don't let don't tell anybody don't let anybody know nobody understands what you're going through and now all of a sudden you need to withdraw well, I can't tell anybody well what would people think and you withdraw and separate yourself from the very body that can bring you health wholeness life he wants you to just you know jump off that body you don't want anything to do with them they're all judgmental pointing fingers again out of context co-laboring as his body you don't belong to yourself anymore you belong to the body each member belongs to everyone else co-laboring as his body means we're all the body and we're all working together everybody and I could take you through I think it's first Corinthians something something it's in there anyway where we're all the body all different parts and you know we're all made up and we all have a different function right one can't say I don't need you you need the whole body right have you ever stubbed that little pinky toe and you just start crying Jesus come home now take me now Jesus it's over right that little pinky that you thought was good for nothing then becomes your entire your earlobes hurt when that thing hurts you know you don't even know why I reached in my purse the other day and got a toothpick jammed up underneath my thumbnail and it broke off under there that little thing then became the focus of my entire day <laughs> I'm gonna go to the hospital now you know and that hurt for days just a little thing up underneath my thumbnail but we belong to it. we need each other when you are not doing your part the rest of the body suffers and it's not boy sometimes it would be easy just cut that part off and let it go right but when it's dead weight that you're carrying along right <laughs> because we all belong to each other and if we're not doing our part we all suffer for it listen here's where most Christians break off ties with other Christians and it's not supposed to be this way listen and this was just I mean I had a like a aha moment this last week over this you know you ever think oh, I know that 
But when God shines a light on it, you're like, wow, I never knew it like that. Because this just happened not too long ago. And I told you, we're a disagreement in viewpoints of what they understood. A Christian believer should not be focusing on this. I said, well, you know, I kind of see it like this. You know, and it's not a bad thing, but it's not for everyone. It's kind of like, I want to be careful. I don't want to spend too much time on this. But it takes the entire body. So it takes some to be um, technicians. It takes some to be hospitality. It takes some to be custodians. It takes some to be teachers, pastors, prophets, bus drivers, snow plowers, salt flingers, umbrella carriers, right? It takes everybody. But the salt slinger will come in and be mad at the teacher because everybody's sitting in there. Why isn't there some people out there slinging salt so that people can get in without slide? So they're upset because what? They're seen from their vantage point. This is what's more important. And the teacher is standing up here yelling at the hospitality hospitality people, stop serving coffee. They're spending too much time out there drinking coffee. They need to be in here. Right? Tell them to bring their own coffee or they don't need any coffee. Now, I know that's from the pit to hell. But everybody's seeing things differently. The drummer sees from his vantage point. We don't need any other instruments, just a drum, right? here. Okay. Yeah. Right? That timer doesn't need to be set for the message. We need more worship. Yeah. Why? Is it wrong? No, it's just a different vantage point, which means the perspective from when they're seen. So if you can picture the body, the backside is going to see from that angle. Right? Some with a much wider view than others. But, and then the toes will see from that vantage point. The ear will see things this way. It's not wrong. It's just different. And see, that's where people separate ties from other Christians and pluck themselves off the body. Well, it's only this way. It's like, no, it's just that's that part of the body. Like, the you know, the argument that there's some that we shouldn't be looking at money at all. Why are you guys always preaching about wealth and money and prosperity? Because you need money to do the mission. <laughs> Pretty simple. To keep the lights on, right? To sit in your chair that you're sitting in. To have the air going in the heat that you'll complain about is too cold or too hot, right? Because it takes money. But the people who say that they want absolutely no worldly possessions and they're giving everything away, we need them people too. Because they're the ones who God's trying to get them to go probably to the poor and the broken and to go in there and be able to sit with them in their brokenness and tell them there is hope. There is a better way. But to even get them there, you got to have somebody with money to send them there. Right? We need everybody. It's not wrong. It's just different. And so when you get looking from your part of the body, you know, it's all about prayer. We don't need anything else. We don't even need the word. We don't need the worship. We just need prayer. Please be careful. 
that you don't eliminate other parts of the body. We need the whole body. Okay? So it's equal together. Not wrong, just different. It takes all. Co-laboring in ministry, in mission, and yes, honey, in money. In ministry, which means that we're equipping, training, mentoring, plugging believers into their part of the body. Or sometimes we just need to get out the old, you know, what's a thing called? And crank it up and, and zap them and charge them. Bring them back to life. You know? Poke at them once in a while. Are you alive? Oh, okay. Getting them functioning in their part of the body. Waking them up. Come on. What are you doing still sitting here? There is no pew potatoes in God's house. And in mission, moving forward together to fulfill the great commission, winning the lost, saving the lost, and discipling nations. That's the mission we're moving forward in. Ministry, plugging everybody into their part of the body, and all moving as his body in the mission, and yes, in money. It takes money. And actually, if I was to put these in order, money would have to come first. Because money comes right back to the first heart issue. The, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Right? If you're devoted, singular devotion said yes, put on the covenant relationship ring with God and said yes, your heart is there. So when you start doing what he's doing, co-laboring with God, it automatically comes with all your resources, all your talents, everything. And talent, I'm talking about the money, the parable of the talents, the parable of the minas, money. Why? Because wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart is. So wherever your heart is, your treasure Think about this. Can a man be devoted to his family and not support them financially on a regular basis? Well, come on. If you know that in your own earthly relationships, why do you try to, I don't know, nullify it, nullify it in God's relationship with his body? You can't say you support somebody. Oh, honey. I want to be married to you, but I'm only going to support you spiritually. You need to fend for yourself. What? Say that in the vows. See how far you get. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I'm going to jump that one. And here, let me just say this. I said this Wednesday at staff meeting. We've looked at the word accountability like it's some nasty thing that if you're going through something bad, you need to find an accountability partner to help you not do wrong anymore. Again, that's all wrong because where does that place us? Back over here on this side of the cross. That you need somebody with a cattle prod to zap you once in a while. Hey, stop doing that. Hey, stop doing that. You're over here. Accountability that's biblical accountability means you're on this side as his body and you're keeping others accountable to the ability God has given them. Hey, um, I know that you like 
typing. Um, and I know that Pastor Neil needs somebody to help him type up this paper. You need to go see Pastor Neil and help him do that. Well, I don't have time. Well, make time. Because it's God's stuff. We need to be doing what God's doing. We need to keep people accountable for the abilities God has given them. When somebody's the lame, dead weight, say, hey, you know, we're trying to raise funds for the building fund. Have you made that building commitment yet? You know, we only have nine weeks left. Mm, what are you doing? Or we see somebody doing something that they're not supposed to be doing. Well, we shouldn't say anything because what if we offend them? And that's why we dumbed down this accountability to where it's okay if we cattle prod them once in a while. But Lord, don't ask them to do better over here. Well, they're doing good enough. What does the word good enough really mean? Anyway, that you're hanging on to the cross and trying to hang on. Whoa, hey. Well, hello. I thought we had that secured down. On to the cross. Man. Well, hello. I know. I'm glad we didn't have that one on video. Ah, crap. We do. Oh, crap. I said crap. Dang it. Dang it. But what is it? I mean, doing good enough? Come on, people. I'm not going to touch that cross anymore. But really, is that what you're trying to do? You're trying to get so close to the edge of death that you can somehow slip into heaven? What does that say to the unbeliever? How will that win the lost? How is that proclaiming hope to the nations? I know you're all still seeing me laid out there. <laughs> hey, now you have a visual picture of your pastor on the cross. All right? So there. Lord made that known to you right there. All right. Yeah, I think they did. <clears throat> I feel like the church founders in her growth because believers aren't being spurred on any longer. You know, that's what we're called to do. Spur one another on to good works. I thought it wasn't about works. It's not about doing to get. That's the error. It's about doing good and doing better. Spurring them on on this side. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Well, I don't want to offend. I don't want to. I don't want. What if they leave? Well, let's see. Is this better? Yeah. It, come on. We're called to spur one another on to works. As his body, co-laboring with God, hand in his hand, doing what he's doing, all in one, as his body. Now, now, 
we're being careful, right? Now, it's not about picking and choosing. Well, maybe if I just do this, maybe if I just, I'll be good enough. No. Now it's, we don't even have to worry. Are we doing right or wrong? We're on this side of the cross. We're moving as his body united together in him. That's the picture of the church. That's what Benzie County needs. That's what the 85% unchurched in Benzie County need from us. That's a body they can climb onto. That's a cross they can climb onto. <laughs> like I did. <clears throat> Co-labor with God. Repent. Here's the altar call. Co-labor with God. Repent and recommit your heart to his heart. Picture him. It's down on one knee. Come on. Come on. Come on. He calls us his bride. His bride. When we point fingers at other areas in the body and say, well, I don't like that. I don't like that. I don't like that. Could you imagine coming up to a man on his wedding day and saying, you know, about your bride? Let's <laughs> have a few words. I, I, I don't like that, that she does. I don't like her looking like that. I don't like, no. Love covers over a multitude of sin. That's why it's so important that we have his heart first. First. Holding his hand. And then we can extend. Extending what? Doing what? Doing his heart. Doing his love. That's how we can extend his love. That's how we can be one together. We're the answer to Jesus' prayer. So first you need to repent, recommit your heart to his heart. And then you need to make a commitment that you're all in. In the body. All in. Ministry, mission, and money. All in. I want it said of Cornerstone Assembly of God when people talk about our church, which they do. If I could write it out for them and script the words that come out of their mouth, it would be that they would say that Cornerstone Assembly of God is a church that believes the whole Bible and lives it. No exception. No excuse. They can see the love God has for them because of the love we have for each other. Isn't that how it's supposed to be? Not nitpicking, backbiting, not slandering, not jealous, not self-seeking. Patient, kind, long-suffering, always believing the best, persevering. Would you stand? do that could you just close your eyes and I want you to picture Jesus down on one knee and maybe you said yes a long time ago but maybe this is the day of renewing your vows 
and he's down on one knee again. And really his question to us is the same thing that he gave of himself. Everything for us. He gave everything up for us. He suffered and died on the cross so we wouldn't physically have to do that ourselves. We're not worthy enough to do that for ourselves. There was only one who's worthy enough. Revelations cries out. There's only one. And he did that. Now he's back down on one knee and saying, will you? And maybe today is your first day. Maybe today will be your first yes. But maybe for many of us, it's a recommitment. That we've got so tied up in, in ourselves. Thinking about what's right, what doing right's right, doing not doing what's wrong, and, and doing this and doing that, and trying to, you know, dot all of our I's and cross all of our T's so we can be good little boys and girls. Instead of sweet, holy surrender to be all in God and God all in you. Holy committed. everything everything God you have everything today is your day and with that again you can't have the head without the body you say yes to Jesus you say yes to the body all in ministry mission and money financially supporting on a regular basis everything God it's all yours anyway everything from the breath in my lungs to, to the rings on my fingers, to the, to the money in my pocket, to my house, to my car, to my job, to my kids. It's all yours, God. You gave it to me. You get first dibs, God, on everything. You first, God. If you're ready to make that commitment, would you just come up? Let's spend some time at the altar praying with each other, for each other, with God. If you need to spend some alone time, please do that with God. If you need to repent, if you need to talk to somebody else, uh, if you have a sickness, you need prayer, there's healing here. Healing is here. God is here. Come on. Father, we just surrender to you. We surrender to you. We surrender to you. Our heart to your heart. In your heart. Your heart in our heart. Mm. We lean into you, God. To not just hear your words, but understand your words. To apply your word to our life. That we can be your witnesses wherever we go wholly united as one as you prayed Jesus in the garden let us be one 
co-laboring with God, co-laboring as your body. In Jesus' name.